Hello and welcome to Caribbean Connections and Strong Women Co. Here we are, five awesome women, and we are going to take you on a terrific journey. We're going to talk about the role of diversity in attaining an all-inclusive and gender-equal community. And if you didn't know, this year's theme for International Women's Day on March 8th is An Equal World is an Enabled World. This is The View from the Rock 2. Yes, and here we have, to my right, we have Tama Faust. Tama is the coordinator of the Aboriginal Resource Office. We have Kelly Hickey, founder and director of Strong Women Co. Anea Ahmed. Anea is a student here, right at Memorial and president of the Political Science Society. And unfortunately, our Nigerian sister Jill has been caught in Toronto due to the storm and all the snow we have here in Newfoundland. She really, really wanted to be here. Jill, we miss you, but we will honor your wishes and we will talk from the heart. So Jill Medon, she's a Mansu Executive Director of Finance and Services and is also a student here at Memoria. And you have moi. Sorogeny, radio host of Caribbean Connections. Welcome, sisters. Welcome. Lovely to be here. How are we all feeling today? Perfect. Awesome after the snow. I (laughs) know. Well, as they say, as they say, the Caribbean. How y'all doing, man? How y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) So, Kelly, um, I know you're not a stranger to Caribbean Connections Mm -hmm. and CHMR. You have your podcast, Mm -hmm. Strong Women Co. And I want us to start off with, we have such a beautiful theme this year for International Women's Day globally, an equal world is an enabled world. And we are talking about bringing out the warrior inside. But before we do that, I would like each one of you fantastic women, tell us a little bit about yourself. We're going to start with you, Kelly. Oh. So Kelly Hickey here. Um, I was born in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, I've lived here most of my life. I've also lived in the States and, um, you know, studied abroad and uh, traveling was also a big part of who I am. Uh, But uh, I am a mom, I'm a business owner, um, and I'm a women's empowerment specialist. So that is literally my job. Um, I help people one-on-one and in groups and online and workshops. Um, On Sunday, I am going to, uh, with uh, girl guides, have like 50 girls coming together and I'm going to help them do a a badge on self acceptance so like you know the, all these things keep popping up when you just put it out to the universe um but uh so that's that's me i'm um also uh about to leave saint john's my home for a majority of my life and try and, you know, and uh, uh move to the netherlands where my husband actually is right now he just started his new job so i'm in transition um but i am feeling my warrior kind of self um and uh you know i have a a big background in kind of just being a general warrior. Uh, I've been a reluctant warrior, I think, is mostly what I would call myself. I don't want to fight, but the fights seem to find me. Uh, and um, uh, one of my fellow warrior friends, shout out to my uh, Gaelic sister, uh, hey. Sheena. Uh, Sheena, yeah! yeah uh, she, uh, she would say, I, I'd say to her, 
you talk about those this even our past lives you know we fought kind of like that being so entrenched and uh uh i'd say but i don't want to fight and sheena says no soldier wants to fight Mm-hmm. And I was like, how true is that? All soldiers want peace. So I've been able to get that in my head and my heart and then kind of own my warrior ways. And I'm so happy to talk to you guys about that. Awesome. Tama, let's hear it. <laughs> um, my name is Tama Fost. I'm born and raised in St. John's, first generation urban Inuk. Uh, my roots come from northern Labrador. I'm the proud mother of an almost 13-year-old boy who's very much a mom's boy and my my little warrior man. Um, I work at the Aboriginal Resource Office here at Memorial University. Um, My role is uh, Indigenous Student Success Coordinator. Um, The Aboriginal Resource Office was absolutely integral to um, my finishing memorial. had the resource office not been there, I don't know if I would have had the um, confidence and faith in myself to um, complete my studies here at Memorial. So I feel very fortunate and incredibly honored to hopefully do the same for other Indigenous students here on campus. Fantastic. Well, you're doing a great job. Keep it up, Tama. And to my left, Anea. Um, hi, everyone. So my name is Anea Ahmed. I'm from Egypt. And I was born and raised there all my life. Um, My first experience abroad, other than visiting countries, was um, to live here in St. John's, Newfoundland, um, and come and study here political science, minoring in law and society currently, hoping to get in law school. As of my warrior self, I'd say that I definitely give all the, the contribution and of developing my warrior self to my family, my dad and my mom. They are the reason why I'm here. They are the reason why I feel like a warrior, why I feel strong and why I feel that I can fit here and I can do whatever I want in this world, no matter where I am. Fantastic. (laughs) And of course you have me, your humble host, Rojani, here (laughs) of Caribbean Connections. So now that you know us all, we're going to get into the thick of things. And I'm so happy to have you sisters here with me. I have to really acknowledge that. We all have busy lives. We are all moms or students being like moms with all the things you're doing. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you and applaud you for that. But, you know, this is a story that needs to be told. And I was uh, looking um, at a few uh, postings on International Women's Day, and I found a few quotes. So I will acknowledge them, and I want to read the first one so we can get into being a warrior and helping an equal world to become an enabled world. And on the Status of Women Government Canada's website, I found a statement that really was touching and appealed to me. And I'm sure all of you will share the same sentiments. Empowering women and girls to equally participate in economic, social, and political life benefits people of all genders. It increases economic prosperity, promotes peace and security, upholds fairness and justice in our society, and ultimately creates happier and healthier communities. So I'll start with you, Kelly. How do you feel about those few lines? 
powerful, short but powerful as they are. What are your thoughts?、Mm. I think、uh, I think back to when、uh, I didn't necessarily call myself a feminist, and、um, I thought,、uh, you know,、uh, we're already there. Why are you Why are you whining about these things? Now I was probably like seventeen or eighteen, and really I was a feminist but didn't understand it.、Um, and、uh, because I was sold the lie that、um, uh, things were equal and.、Um, I got out into the world and realized things were were, were not in fact that way.、Um, and、uh, I used to think that,、um, you know,、uh, in leadership positions, you know, things like, oh, you know, women are just as bad as men, you know, like these kinds of like common things. And、uh, when I started to realize I had more life experience, I realized these these were just tropes that just weren't that necessarily true in some ways. Like, when you invest in women,、um, it's good for communities. <laughs> You know, when、uh, there's all these communities, all these different groups and NGOs, Oxfam is one of them right now. Who, for the last several years, has been mostly giving money to young women to,、uh, not young women, but women in、uh, developing countries to invest in the、uh, communities because that's literally the best bang for their buck.、Mm-hmm. So you know, that's kind of what I hear about is like when you actually invest in women, you're investing in in health, you're investing in families, you're investing in sustainability of of of、uh, families' health and, and well-being. Um, so you know, it's it's really great. It, it's wonderful to live in a country of Canada where like this is where we actually you know we can、mm-hmm. have these conversations. Of course, we can talk about is it a deep enough conversation? Is it a、um, you know inclusive enough conversation? Those are all important things.、Mm-hmm. But I'm just happy to be a part of、um, something that we can talk about empowering women and how that literally benefits everyone and the entire community. Unless it's the、uh, sentences said that. Healthier communities, you know, and that's our goal here. It's not just for ourselves or women; it's for everyone. And this is why I support these causes. And how about you, Tama? What are your thoughts about it? What's that warrior inside、mm-hmm. of you saying? Come on. Well,、um, thank wi- you, Kelly. Women are、uh, just as、uh, as important as all individuals in in society. And of course,、um, if when you empower women and when they Have a voice at the table、um, that is heard and respected.、Um, it absolutely benefits everybody in the community.、Um, not only does it help with the individual woman,、um, but but all women、um, and all all people in society. And as an Inuk woman, I know you face many challenges, and you continue to face them. I'm sure you're a role model to many young women and young people in the community and beyond. Can you tell us something about that? Your experiences?、Um, well, I come from a very、uh, long line of very strong Inuit women.、Um, my mom has always been a role model to me.、Um, she has overcome so much in in her short life so far. She. Uh, is just absolutely one of the strongest、uh, people I've ever I've ever met, and、um, so I draw a lot of my inspiration from my mom to continue the fight.、Um, she has been a strong advocate for Indigenous peoples here in the Saint John's area for many many years. She was on the board of、uh, directors for the Saint John's Native Friendship Center, now First Lake Friendship Center,、mm-hmm. um, and so she's always instilled in me.、Um, 
the importance of advocating for others um, and making sure that um, all people at the table have have a voice and uh, have a space to share that voice. So um, yeah, I just I feel very uh, inspired by the women before me, and hopefully um, I can inspire others as well. Powerful, mm-hmm. Tama. Thank you, Anea. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about these words and using your warrior feelings and what's inside of you, get it out there, and you're the president of the Political uh, Science Society. I That's am. not an easy feat, <laughs> you know, so tell us, how do you feel? So I'd like to start first with um, how I felt about women issues when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Back in Egypt, like even though it's not like something that we that is commonly talked about, and even though um, that there is much more work to be done there than in, than there is here in Canada, for example, I'm blessed to have been like in a family that w- made sure that me and my brother are treated the same. A family that comes like that has been through a lot of things that just empower us and empower women in the family. Like for example. My grandma used to work in the government, even though at that time, like at her time, not many women were working women. Mostly, most of them were just like, like housewives. Mm-hmm. But like, looking at my family's history, we are we have a history of empowered women, and that's why I think I grew up to be who I am now, mm-hmm. and that's why my mom raised me to be like a strong woman because she was raised in a house where there is a strong woman there. So looking at, like, hearing these words, these are all empowering words that are definitely amazing. And I'm so glad that they are, like, there's progress being made in that uh, area Mm -hmm. regarding women issues, even though there is more work to be done. But these words are just so empowering. And it's, it's amazing to see that we are being recognized and more progress is being made towards our issues. As president of the Political Science Society, that was a big step for you. And you mentioned mm-hmm. when you were coming to Canada to study, th- there was some resistance by, say, your dad's friends and family, and then to get to this point. So how are you going to champion that cause for women to be more involved in the political arena? I think that there is there needs to be more empowerment especially in the political arena to that women have a place and they have a voice you look at politics now and you see a lot of it mainly um dominated by by like by males mm-hmm. in general whether it's here or in egypt or wherever like part, what whichever part in the world but i think that being part of the political science society being a president and being in that field of politics in general Mm -hmm. would definitely be an example for other women that you can you can do it you can be part of that community you you can get in politics and you have a voice to be heard for sure so you go there take the step and get in there tama what do you see as the greatest challenge from an inuk woman's perspective I know you've gone through a lot of challenges to be to be where you are today, and you've acknowledged um, the people and the institutions that help you in mm-hmm. this on this ride and in this journey. So, what do you feel is most empowering for you to do to? 
to show, say, the young women and boys coming up after you? I draw, I draw a lot of inspiration from um, those before me. I think of an example, say, um, when it came to convocating here at Memorial. I wanted to wear my traditional regalia and um, unfortunately was uh, strongly urged to um, adhere to the strict cap and gown policy. And then I remember within a year or so reading about uh, who I later found out was my cousin, um, Hillary, who had convocated at another institution here in Canada um, and was able to wear her regalia due due to her advocacy. And so I draw a lot of inspiration from um, individuals such as my my cousin Hillary and others, many, many others in my family um, and in the Indigenous community, the Inuit community. And um, so I, yeah, I see the strives that women have taken to have inclusion and representation at the table um, as Indigenous women. And so when I think of them, I feel uh, very honored um, to be able to assist in that, that, that work, to be heard and respected and valued in Canadian society. Fantastic. Kelly, I know you are the founder and director of Strong Women Co. You have a weekly pod or semi-weekly podcast here and you do a lot of other neat stuff. So you've also gone through your share of challenges. You've worked in many industries, um, a lot of which was dominated by white men here in Newfoundland because it's only now we're seeing the diversity of Newfoundland come alive, Thank, I guess in main part to our university. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, it's been mm-hmm. said many, many yeah. times. So what were your feelings back then to get the warrior out and be where you are today and mm-hmm. ascertain yourself? be affirmative and not worry about who thinks what, what people would say, I'm acting mm. too much of a, can I say this word, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> or, or as we said last year, badass. badass. We were yeah. using badass. Like It, it yeah. took a long time and it was a long ride for you, right? What can you share with us? Oh, thank you so much for that question. Uh, I just have to say to my gorgeous sisters here, love hearing your stories. And uh, before I jump into mine, it's so cool to hear about progressive feminist parents in mm-hmm. various kinds of cultures that we think might not exist. So it yeah. also it makes me think like there's just change happening everywhere. We just don't <laughs> see it everywhere. So that's mm-hmm. super cool. And it, it is such an honor, uh, Tamit, to be able to do this work and to kind of think about our lineage in such a way. And I, I think a lot about my lineage and, and ancestry and, uh, and the hardships uh, that m- the women in my uh, lineage put up with uh, and had to endure. And hunger and starvation and on this island in the middle of the North Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, um, cold. <laughs> freezing cold. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, so what's funny about me is um, I, I come across like I don't care what people think and I'm, I'm really close to that now. But mostly um, I was just really kind of ambitious and, um, and driven and just really driven by uh, wanting to help, wanting to learn. That was kind of my biggest kind of thing. And um, also, I liked uh, I liked doing things that people told me I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things uh, to do. Um, and to go into fields where you oh, uh, the first woman, like when I went into uh, the Carpenters Union, I was the first woman and 30 years younger than all the other guys who were union guys and agents. And, and like the work was fine. The work was fun. 
right? Like it was, it was like, you know, I did everything from signing up the union people to um, contract negotiations where I was lead negotiator. I had an amazing experience at the work, but there was one individual in particular who uh, was very threatened by me. And now I have the words of like bullying, harassment, these things, mm-hmm. but like it literally uh, caused traumatic experiences mm-hmm. uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I did leave that job, uh, which was a, a six figure full time permanent job at 30 that wow. I was like, if I stay here, it'll kill me. Yes. Because that's what my doctor told me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm, I was a warrior. And honestly, I stayed in that job as long as I did because I knew after I left, it would be probably two decades before they got another woman. So you have this kind of like feeling of like trying to represent and kind of just take it on the chin constantly to try to move your gender forward. Mm -hmm. And like while I was in the union, I did double the number of women we had Wow. Which was only from one to two percent. So, but yeah. like, but I would seek them out on construction yeah, sites yeah. and be like, you know, hey, do you want healthcare? Do you, or, or, do, or do you want uh, insurance? Do you want pension? These type things. But you know, it's uh, it's kind of like I I just didn't shy away from the challenging stuff. And honestly, uh, it's a bit of fun to be the only girl in the room sometimes. And lastly, that's where the money is. Who are we kidding? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Kelly, you hit on two points. You know, getting the women there and doing what you want to do regardless of what anyone says, you know, and staying in it, whether you compromise your your health or not. Mm. And and that's something I can relate to also, you know. And, you know, I chuckle a little bit, not because of what you said, but as a brown Indo-Caribbean person, which means my ancestry is Indian from India, I feel like when I'm in positions of authority, if I let myself down, (laughs) I let down Mm. a generation of brown girls or I let down my race, you know? Like, it's sort of at the back of your head. And it's not that anybody made me feel this way or sort of chastise me, well, you must do good, otherwise you're letting your people down. But you feel this need, you Mm -hmm. feel this urge, no, I'm going to stick it out. I have to, I'm going to let myself down. And worst of all, I'm letting people down. But, you know, sometimes there are situations beyond our control, and we have to know when to stop. Like, I I was witnessing an argument amongst... um, some distant, uh, some extended family members, and everybody wanted to be right. So you had this back and forth. Nobody was stopping. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay back and observe, you know? And it wasn't like, you know, someone was going to die. It's just everybody wants to be right. And then I read this quote that made me realize how right I was to back off. It says, you have to know when to back off from an argument and let those who are wrong be wrong. Because you, you are... <laughs> so good. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to go on like this for months when yeah. there are more important things waiting in the wings. There are children and women dying every day from hunger. There's domestic violence every hour. There's you know, executive women who are suffering in depression because of the weight they have to bear. Family, work, being a good mother, a good boss. How do you balance all of this? And I'm going to read this quote by Dr. Ala Murabit. I only want to say she is 
a hijab-wearing woman because it will show you how she feels. She says, although women remain the most undervalued global economic asset, equally employing them would boost our GDP by 150 billion by 2026. International Women Day recognizes that opportunities, pay and work conditions for women and girls must improve to achieve real economic power and equality. How do you guys feel about that? I, I like my I was getting goosebumps when I read this. Like I mean, think of that figure alone. Everything she said was so impactful, but that GDP by a hundred and fifty billion, not thousands and million, <laughs> billion. Why can't executives in charge see this and recognize it? And Kelly, you've held some pretty executive and high power positions in the union. Why do you think people in power cannot see and understand what Dr. Ala Murabet is saying? Uh, in a word, patriarchy, uh, <laughs> and in another word, capitalism. There's a status quo, it's being maintained. There are a lot of people who kind of like the stability of it and don't want to rock the boat. Um, but uh, it kind of comes down to it's just like why white male managers hire white male folks. It's like you just, you just see, you're kind of comfortable with people who look like you. Like, really, we should be easier on ourselves because this whole, like, multi-global kind of reality we live in, multicultural, is kind of relatively new. We only got planes not that long ago, you know, uh, besides us colonialists that came in were total assholes. Um, but I mean, that was like two cultures. Now we have like, like sitting at this table, we could have so many. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable or just afraid to say the same, the wrong thing. Um, mm -hmm. I've kind of gotten over that. And so, you know, I'm a well-meaning white woman. So what I'm trying to do, you don't say, <laughs> but that's also a bad thing because white feminists like, oh, my God, oh, uh, there but, she goes. but um, uh, what I what I personally try to do is just not be afraid of making mistakes. And that's where you got to go or you get paralyzed and frozen. So uh, I'm going to say stupid things from time to time. I really try not to. Uh, and once I once someone says tells me calls me on it, uh, the people who mostly call me on it uh, are, are uh, sisters in, uh, who have d uh, disabilities, honestly, because uh, my able mind like I, I can think about different racial kinds of things. But the conversation about disability just hasn't mm -hmm. percolated in sometimes. So, uh, as I said before, you know, I've had my uh, ass handed me a couple times and I totally deserved it. And I grew and I learned from it yeah. and it was fine. Like, I think we need to get over worrying about and saying the, the wrong thing um, yeah. and uh, so that we can get to a place where we aren't so uh, uncomfortable or just kind of in living in that intrepidation um, of it. And, uh, you know, m more women. The reality is uh, it, things can ha things can change really quickly in a generation. Mm -hmm. A lot can ha happen in a generation. And, you know, I see all the women around this table and, uh, you know, I'm so excited you're going to law school. I'm so excited you're, you're having, you're, you're the president of the Political Science Society. You know, uh, when I was in university here, I never took a political science course because there was no women teachers. 
right? Of course. Of course. And I was just like, I, I, I lived, my family's very political, mm-hmm. and uh, I hear all those men talking all of the time. And I was yeah. like, I don't need to hear more men talking about politics. I got that, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that we're, uh, it's, it's an exciting time, um, but we have to not be afraid to make mistakes and let that not paralyze us. And then we also have to, like, call out, like, leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there was a memory in my Facebook, and it was last year, I'd given it to the, um, the Newfoundland government because... Um, CBC and NTV were all over this, but they had a leadership conference. Oh, remember yeah, this? I remember. remember? Yeah. And at the leadership conference, the majority of the time, a man was talking, like yes. you know. And I was just like, okay, guys. So you know, I called them out on it, and uh, they didn't put off one this year, did they? Uh, but that's the kind of the point is like mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes. It was a really good idea. It wasn't necessarily totally thought out. Uh, but we're going to make mistakes and we can't just recoil and pretend like there's people in the government that won't even talk to me now because I critique them. No. <laughs> people uh, don't like to be critiqued. So we need to get yes. over this fear of critique is kind of my general. Well, like you say, constructive criticism. And Tama, with all your challenges as an Inuk woman, and I asked you earlier, setting an example and being a role model. This uh, quote by Dr. Alan Murabit, how do you feel about that? And what do you think we need to do as a society to better ourselves and better the women coming up? Well, uh, of course, I'm, I'm very surprised at the uh, rate the GDP would get to where women compensated for their skills uh, equally as men. And so that's one thing, of course, that is uh, striking to me is that, um, you know, we as women generally are underpaid, we generally are undervalued. And so it, you know, this this number proves the, the point that women should be held in uh, similar precedents as as their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, their skills are just as useful, just as beneficial to all of society. And so when we underpay someone or when we undermine the value of their work, we undervalue them as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we need to start building our women up. Um, we need to start um, valuing them for the many, many hats we wear. You know, I think of um, some sometimes when my mom, uh, when we were young, you know, should go into the bathroom okay mom's off duty I need 10 minutes to myself <laughs> we yeah. need to have yeah. let al- allow our women to be individuals mm-hmm. um, and remove those hats sometimes and to um, I guess value the many hats that women wear we're chauffeurs we're seamstresses we're cooks we're cleaners we're mm-hmm. ch- child um, rearing um, you know we, we do so many things in our daily lives um, that continually get devalued and so it's it's just it's it's important to recognize the contributions that women make mm-hmm. to to their families to themselves to their communities and for me to add to this and I really want to hear our all my sister's opinion I I was only in my 20s when I ran for president of the largest Indo-Caribbean um, association in Canada, which was in Ontario at the time. And I was actually encouraged by my uncle, who was at the time a professor in English at York University. And, you know, I, I thought he was joking. I really was. I'm like, you got to be kidding. All the men in the organization, I'm not going to get this support. They, at the time, there were more men than women in the organization. On the executive, he said, no, no, this, this is the time. And, you know, you're talking almost, you know, 
two decades ago, and I thought about it, and I said, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to see what happened. I didn't even believe in myself, you know, because I thought, oh, it'll never happen. But to appease him, I ran, and I won. And there, <laughs> thank you. And I have to keep in mind, this is the largest of its kind in Canada because of the diversity of Indo-Caribbeans were um, in Ontario. They were all in that city, well, mostly in that city. So I felt, oh my gosh, I have big shoes to fill. How am I going to do this? But I had a good team, and I couldn't have done it on my own. The men and women on that organization helped me, but I doubted myself. And if it weren't for my uncle, and, and you know, men like him who see the value in women, who see that women can do great things. And, and I was, I considered myself too young for the job because the boots I was gonna fill, I thought I could never do this. But also I was the only one who left the organization in the black, meaning, we were not in the red, we were not in the negative at the end of my term. You know, most people want to spend, spend, let's do this. And it was never really fully acknowledged because at the time I was also pregnant with my first child and I'm like, whatever, I did my job, I'm happy, people know I'm moving on now, my daughter will be born. <laughs> well, at the time we didn't know if it's a boy or a girl. <laughs> now you've got all this gender reveal thing happening. <laughs> I'm like, as long as it's a healthy baby, I just need to move on. But. You know, I pride myself in what I had done, and my husband was beside me helping my extended family. A lot of us live away. But again, you have the right people behind you, and I saw how important it was. You know, my uncle having been one of the co-founders of that organization too, people said, well, he can be picking somebody who would not do the job, but we will give her a try, even though they may have that doubt. So, Ania, I'm gonna bring this question to you. You're mm -hmm. in a position that was probably mainly dominated by young boys or men Your so boys. how are you <laughs> or men how are you feeling about being in that position as president of the poli sci society here at memorial first of all i i honestly never thought that i would be like in that position not just because i'm a woman but thinking at that i'm a i'm from egypt and I'm just like, there are so many hats that I wear as we were talking about like how many hats a person can wear and how many identities you identify with. Where I'm not just a woman, I'm a proud Egyptian, I'm Muslim. And so all of these, all of these hats that I'm wearing definitely like made me think that I wouldn't be in that position or like why would people even choose me or vote for me? But then right now being at that position, it's, First of all, it's great, and I definitely thank my executive team with me that we're like that we're doing this together, and we're all empowering each other. And I think if it wasn't for the support of other people like my family and my friends and my roommates, I wouldn't be here. And 
we should all be encouraged to run for positions. All women should be encouraged to run for positions, no matter how small it is. Even if you're just um, part of a team for like a very small society, run for mm -hmm. it because that's just the start. Do you feel a sense of accomplishment? A and I'm going to have you speak on behalf mm -hmm. of our sister Jill, yes. <laughs> from Nigeria, who so wanted to be here. But mm -hmm. again, beyond her control and our control, Air Canada cannot make it on time. But I know you two share the same passion mm -hmm. and the fight for pushing women there on the forefront. How, yeah. how do you both feel? I mean, you've spoken together a few times. Um, what do you think maybe Memorial should do more? Uh, and I'm not putting this question to put you into trouble <laughs> or anything. But I, I'm just, you know, off the cuff here. What do you think we need to do more here at Memorial to encourage younger women, not only from St. John's and mm -hmm. Canada, but around the world? Because MUN has such a diverse population. That's what's, that's the engine for mm -hmm. the international flair here in our city. Yeah. What should we do better then? I think definitely put more resources into uh, the women's committee uh, and just putting out figure like female figures out there and having talks and having um, having seminars and just like events that empower women because even though not many people might see it the slightest bit just seeing that a woman is in a is in a position where um, she is powerful, she is uh, she's in a leadership position and empowered, that definitely gives a lot of us hope and give us that push to mm -hmm. go for what we want. So I would say that putting out more events and focusing more on, um, on show showcasing female figures for sure. And Last year we talked about dressing and how important it is in that image and mm -hmm. as i look at you gorgeous sisters here everybody looks like a hundred percent awesomeness in this <laughs> room and i look at you and you're wearing a jean jacket you're wearing some black leggings <laughs> and a gorgeous hijab i mean to me, the message you're sending across is, you know, I'm a fusion type of gal. <laughs> don't, don't just judge me by my hijab, right? Yes, true. You know, so where is this? Jean Sroji fashion analysis. I know, <laughs> I know. I hope, I hope she likes it. Uh, I love it. I, I, I'm gonna get to my two oh, sisters. <laughs> so, what do you feel this message you're you're putting out? And I'm not saying mm -hmm. you did it deliberately, but you would have put some thought into this so yeah. what are you telling the folks out there i'm telling everyone out there that not because i'm a hijabi or i'm muslim because like of course my hijab definitely like is an epic like an image out there that hey this is my religion mm -hmm. i'm putting that picture out there that yes this is my religion i'm proud of it and i'm not just another oppressed person of color who is Muslim mm -hmm. I'm here I'm empowered I'm proud of my I'm proud of my hijab I'm proud of what I'm wearing and I'm more than just a scarf or fabric on my head it there is more there is more of a story to it and I'm here to make sure that I am putting that picture out there that empowering hijab and empowering women who wear it 
Dr. Donna Strickland said, let's all encourage young people to find a career based on what they love, mm-hmm. regardless of their gender. Yeah. When we all do what we enjoy, we will do our best. That is very true. I think about it every day and I think about how a lot of people told me like, what are you going to do with a political science degree? Like, do you think you're going to be... <laughs> I know, ex- exactly. <laughs> and they're like, are you going to be... That's in- right, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Strong like, Yeah, such a good basis I know. They, they just like tell me like, what are you going to do? And like, do you think you're going to get in politics? And like, that's such like a male dominated like field, blah, blah. I'm like... I can do whatever I want with my degree. Do you know what Malala Yousafzai is studying? And you all know who she is. She mm-hmm. met uh, Greta, who said that, yeah. um, uh, you know, <laughs> Greta said, you're my role model, Malala. I think they met in the UK last week or so. Malala is studying economics, mm-hmm. philosophy, and political science. Of course she is. Right? Everything. So, I mean, what? Exactly. Are we going to ask her, well, Malala, as a Nobel laureate, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do with that? You I know. know. As a woman, what do you yeah. think? Do you think you're going to go into politics? <laughs> I know. Like, girl, you already are. And well, there's that yeah. underlying yeah. criticism and sarcasm of, their, of that question where they think that I can't be a politician, I can't get in the field of politics, or that it's like, too like too harsh or too big for me and that i shouldn't i shouldn't get in there because i'll i might be too emotional like i heard that before of course i know laugh (laughs) i'm just really thinking about all of the emotional men i've seen in politics over the last several years and i'm like i'm not so sure you guys should be in politics (laughs) Uh, because most of the women i know and of course this is what the patriarchy has forced us to do we are very measured Mm -hmm. in our response and if you're a woman of color you have to be extra measured i know uh white women get to cry and things uh in various ways brown people too Uh, But that's kind of the thing is like, um, I I used to feel kind of like, don't say this, Kelly, but it's like, um, I think it is time for the woman to lead. Um, I think it has been demonstrated. And uh, the more women on um, a community board or, you know, a school association or um, uh, the board of a, a Fortune 500 or in governments, the more women, uh, the more inclusive the policies, uh, the more fe- environmentally friendly the policies. Um, often, we're really good with numbers too. Like you mentioned, Sarojini, how you left your organization in the black, and it was the first time. It's like. If you look at the data, like mm-hmm. we're really good at that. The women politicians, women business owners. Uh, you can look at the number of uh, even just the businesses who have more women on boards. They have more profit margins, and and so it's kind of like this kind of all of these tropes that I think in some ways we've been fighting against have actually made us better and made us more a more appropriate, more uh, well-rounded uh, choice for leadership. And the other thing you guys were both talking about is like, uh, mostly like, you need to run. Just run. Mm -hmm. Run for the small things, because when women run, women win. Really. We, we do. We don't lose any more than men. We, we often win uh, it more than. So putting ourselves Mm -hmm. out there is is part of it. And uh, this whole emotional thing. Oh, my God. A guy said that to me um, uh, at a restaurant the other night. And uh, we were just having a conversation, and then uh, I disagreed with him. And when I disagreed with him, he's like, whoa, you got emotional. <laughs> oh. and, and, like, so when a guy says that to me, and I've 
worked in male-dominated fields, so I know. I know it, they say that when they feel like they're backed into a wall and they don't have any actual yeah. argument. Yeah. And uh, so then this like calmness comes over me, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, emotional. Is that what you think I am when I disagreed and had facts to back this up? So I think this is something that just kind of gets thrown uh, around. But if I could, could I read this warrior card? Absolutely. So our, our wonderful, amazing um, editor, producer, uh, Hans Rollman. I like to call him Hans Roll person. <laughs> Hans Roll person. He picked this card uh, from the Rebecca Campbell Work Your Light Oracle Card uh, guidebook. Uh, or sorry, yeah, just the, the deck. And it was Warrior Woman was the one that he picked. And I was like, well, we got to bring this into the show because I think it really kind of brings us into we are individually our own kind of warriors, uh, even if we may not realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're reluctant like me, sometimes you really need to be told it in various ways to realize that you are a warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, warrior woman, have you answered your deepest calling? You are here for a reason. You are being called to bravely pave a path. Have you answered your highest and deepest calling? Living a heart and soul led life is not all fluffy and smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. Living a heart and soul led life requires courage to triumph over fear. So often our fears are the gatekeepers to our greatest gifts. And the more resistance we have towards answering a call, the more important it is to our soul's growth. Sometimes fear is an indication that we are facing the right way. Joan of Arc was known for her courage and her famous line, I am not afraid. I was born to do this. Mm -hmm. But the thing about courage is that it is not possible without fear. So if you are feeling afraid, what is needed is courage. And courage comes from living from the heart. Think of your fears as opportunities to expand rather than the things that are holding you hostage. If you look at your fears in this light, as uncomfortable as it might feel, it's actually a sign that you are on the right track. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I'm going to move over to Tama. What Kelly just read, how do you feel about those words? And I'm going to have you sort of interject that with this question. Um, In your community, um, have you faced any challenges by the men in your community? And how did you go about achieving your goals? Well, I I think of my dad, who was always so uh, supportive. Um, I myself uh, dropped out of high school. I ended up uh, going back to do my adult basic education. Um, And my dad had always, uh, was always very bright in school. Um, School was never really much of a a challenge for me. I was very fortunate in that. And um, I just, I somewhere got lost in between the cracks in high school. And um, he, he just, he always inspired me or encouraged me to go to university um, to continue with my education. Uh, my mom, you know, she beat all the odds uh, growing up in, in northern Labrador. She came to university as a mature student and, and got an education degree um, and b- became a teacher here in the St. John's area for uh, 20 odd years. And um, so, yeah, I just, I feel like I have always had a lot of support from both the men and women in my life, uh, the two most important people being my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I didn't really have many obstacles gender-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had a lot of support from both uh, both my parents and the, the individuals in my family, my family members. Um, so I feel very fortunate, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that kind of... Oh, absolutely. And I asked you this because 
um, when we see a lot of Aboriginal youths, mm -hmm. and of course not all, we, we know that in this room, and a lot of us in the country know this too, there are some youths going through some very difficult things in their lives, maybe not a stable home. And this can be in other communities mm -hmm. too. Not, it's not limited to the indigenous or Aboriginal community. But you have been very fortunate to have that love, care, and encouragement mm -hmm. in your home to make you think, I can do something for myself. I could be somebody and make a difference in society. What do you think the indigenous community need to do more of to foster this knowledge or foster this thinking, to have all youths feel, I could go out there and be somebody? I think being respected um, and valued by broader Canadian society would be a great starting point. We're in, you know, the 21st century um, talking about reconciliation and decolonization and indigenizing, you know, the political arena, etc. And I'm, I'm thinking of um, some comments that I've, I've been reading over the last weeks, few weeks with the Wet'suwet'en pipeline. And one of the comments that sticks out to me is send them to the gas chamber oh and so when you have Canadians in this day and age either there's been threats for killing people mm -hmm. running them over with the truck running mm -hmm. them over with the train and so when you have these very toxic racially fueled this hatred to a certain cohort of people and when it's been long-standing in broader society for so long it, it gets difficult not to internalize that mm -hmm. but I guess the main thing is to overcome those negative stereotypes and I guess I think we are already spoke about this feeling mm -hmm. that pressure as a person of color that you're um, you need to you can't fail you know if you're, mm -hmm. you're going to do this you've got to do it right you've got so many people counting on you and if you don't do it then you're a failure mm -hmm. it's a lot of pressure but um, it's an honor as well to be able to um, advocate for you know a marginalized group of people whether you're Inuk or other yeah and I mean, you're making an excellent start being right here at Memorial with the Aboriginal Resource Office, soon to be a center. You're mm -hmm. gonna have your own place, yeah, right? 208 Elizabeth Avenue. Awesome, and we're, we can always talk more about that, invite people down to look at it. And um, I, I wanna just move over to Anea here, you know, there, I love quotations. You guys probably know me by now, but and I'm only doing this because you know, doing my research here and IWD for 2020, like there is just so much out there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these women have said everything I want to say. <laughs> Why don't I just quote them? My job would be a lot easier, right? And then we can talk about the warrior inside. So. And Divine said, and I'm looking at her picture, and she seems to be of Asian descent. Maybe her last name might be a married name. I'm not sure. But she said, my wish is for all women, girls, and others in my circle to blaze that trail, creating light in the path for all to walk through, carrying our unique selves. What do you feel about that, Anea? That is such a strong quote, and I think everyone should definitely incorporate that in their lives 
just think about don't think about what you can't do or what people are gonna say or what they're gonna think just do it everyone is capable of doing whatever they want all women are capable of doing everything they set their mind to just know that even though there might be some obstacles on the way we are capable of getting like through these uh, like we're going we're able to get through these barriers get over them and achieve what we want there are going to be m- many many barriers for us as women and especially if you're a per- uh, if you're a woman of color it's going to be harder but just think about how much you can get through how and how much you got through already mm-hmm. i remember i was on the phone a couple of days ago with my dad and i was just having some trouble with uh, with schoolwork and like a lot of other things and he just didn't like he he didn't tell me that like yes you can do it and all of that he just reminded me of how much i went through before and that by itself was just so empowering to make to make me set mm-hmm. my mind to it and be like yes i can get through it i can do whatever i want get the grades get the position and just achieve what i basically set my mind to and what i'm destined to do yeah and you touched on that quite a few times tama and i'm gonna read a quote here by raven lacerte is that how i would say the last name i guess lacerte <laughs> And she says here, an indigenous woman, she said, women have so much strength, power, and wisdom. Centering and celebrating strong women is so important to inspire young girls to be whoever they want and achieve anything they dream of. This resonates with you. I can see that, Tama. How do you feel about hearing Raven say those words? Um... I think a lot of indigenous uh, communities are um, matriarchal. Um, I think of uh, my family in particular. Um, you know, I remember when my Anansiak, my my mom's mom, passed away. You know, my mom said, "There goes the matriarch of our family." Mm-hmm. And I I looked at my mom and I said, "No, here you are." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so passing on that torch, um, whether there's blood relation or not. I mean, you know, we in uh, in indigenous communities face challenges in Canadian society, but we also have a lot of strong people in our communities, a lot of strong women. Um, I know I wouldn't be who I am today if not for my mom and in turn, if not for her mother and so on and so forth. And so um, it's just really important to recognize the women who have paved the way, who have been those trailblazers, who have carved a new path, who are changing um, life for for the, the women to come after. And so, yeah. Kelly? I know you're burning up inside I to get that. I love how you know me. I love how you know me. I was I just, there were so many gorgeous things oh, that uh, yeah. you were just saying. Now you know why we're going to miss you moving <laughs> to the Netherlands. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're going to totally have to come back next year. <laughs> oh, I'm a Newfoundlander. The island always calls out to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like she's she's my mother, really, like Newfoundlands. That's one of the hardest part of yeah. leaving it. Um, but uh, just speaking about matriarchal um, uh, communities and societies, um, um, and this is kind of what I've spent a lot of time doing is looking worldwide at these matriarchal societies because, you know, uh, when you say matriarchal, I think people automatically think the opposite of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. 
that never existed. Uh, there's no evidence whatsoever that any group uh, that uh, had women as uh, leaders, there were women that were honored, ever uh, diminished men or oppressed men. That has literally, there's no evidence for it. So much that archaeologists said, oh, there was no such thing as a matriarchal society. It's like, actually, no. <laughs> it just looks totally different than what your head can fathom. Um, and so uh, Sorogeny knows, um, and some listeners will know how I went on a goddess pilgrimage um, in Crete in 2017, where I went two weeks from every sacred site to sacred site of the ancient Minoan people who lived uh, 2500 BC, who were matriarchal and uh, honored women and Mother Earth and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I've been on a a spiritual uh, pilgrimage before and and since then. And I just love incorporating uh, different matriarchal uh, ideals into my life. Um, And I like, you know, one of the ways I do it is the change in language. Um, you know, a spirit, God, universe. Now I use the word the goddess. The goddess is also a synonym for Mother Earth because it's literally our mother and mm-hmm. gave us everything we need to live. Um, and I just think like this is where it's so funny where, um, you know, the patriarchy has only been around for about 4,000 years. And you can actually even trace it from the Russian steppes because uh, through DNA and all of that. So what I feel like is um, as a Anglo-Saxon woman, part Greek, part uh, uh, Russian. Girl, uh, you really mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> part Irish, part English. Thank you, 23andMe. But um, that I uh, I have been kind of throwing off that my kind of the uh, ideas of the patriarchy that's gone passed down from ancestry to ancestry and I'm going back to the ancient times and the ancient ways of circles mm-hmm. and all of that because I sincerely believe that's what we need to do to survive on this planet. Yeah. Uh, it was we need radical changes in how we treat each other, how we interact, how we communicate, all of these things and this top-down patriarchal approach is just not working um, and I feel like people are looking for uh, spirituality, women in particular, and there is there are answers out there. There's women's spirituality groups popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I see women's leadership, particularly in spirituality and in various other ways, uh, really kind of like blossoming. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm in full encouragement uh, of that. I always like to throw out the this fact that um, every culture in um, the world that we are aware of has some kind of goddess deity or female deity, except for the Abrahamic three: uh, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Every other, like Hinduism or, you know, uh, all these had some kind of woman uh, flavor, (laughs) character, anything, you know, Um, but except for the uh, Abrahamic three. So I kind of think about how we need to kind of just put that woman divine feminine back um, and of course different different progressive sects have, have been do, doing that in organized religion um, but it's just a really great thing that uh, we can do so because I know when I went to church and there was all he's and him's mm-hmm. I know she's and hers yeah. anywhere uh, I was like okay Jesus is great his, his message is great um, I could get it behind that but like where do I belong mm-hmm. and I didn't belong anywhere Mm-hmm. Uh, until I kind of like found it. And I think that's what we're all stumbling around trying to figure out how to align our beliefs and our passions so that we can grow and birth this new world that we need to birth. Senator Chantel Petitclair, she said, when it comes to equality, the battle is far from over. Here, like everywhere else in the world, equality remains a significant issue actions are stronger than words. 
So on her good quote, and I did tell you all, I love quotations, and I thought, oh my gosh, these women have said such incredible things for International Women's Day this year. We can certainly expand on them. And I know we all have busy lives and work, speaking of wearing many hats. And to wrap things up, and I'm going to ask you first, Anea, let's focus on our gorgeous city here Mm -hmm. on the rock, St. John's, Newfoundland. Taking Dr. Senator Chantal's quote, what would you like to see more done? What is, say, the one thing you would like to see more of in our city to empower young women? As a political science student who's involved in politics, and I just, like, make sure I kind of analyze politics, like, everywhere, but especially here in Newfoundland, more women in politics please mm-hmm. <laughs> please that's what like that's one thing we need if i see that there and not just me as like an a but like if a woman in st john's who's studying political science sees that there are women in the government and women in the politics like here in the city and here in uh, in the province they'd be more empowered to run for provincial offices or even federal offices but just run for office in general mm-hmm. and not think about leaving or thinking that they're gonna have a voice somewhere else in canada like if we're just focusing on st john's more women in politics here please <laughs> well said Tama, now that you all are moving to a brand new, bigger location on Elizabeth Avenue, the Aboriginal Resource Office, you may have a new name, what do you feel you all can do more of to empower? Um, not, I, I know your office is frequented by non-Indigenous, uh, the non-Indigenous community, so what do you feel you all can do more of? to empower everyone walking through that door into your office. To kind of shadow what Anaya uh, was mentioning, um, women in women in leadership in general, I think, and allowing it so that women don't feel that they have to make a choice. Am I going to be a good wife or a good mother, or am I going to be a working professional, or am I going to be in leadership? You can walk down that path without having to compromise one or the other. Um, you can still honor your roles um, as a woman, whether that's as a, as a wife or a mother, or whether that's in your professional life, um, we don't always have to make that choice. And mm-hmm. I think uh, oftentimes there's a uh, notion that we, we must choose one or the other. Um, but I'm a firm believer that uh, with, with the love and support of a good network of, of loved ones in your life, you can definitely wear more than one hat. I think we're Fantastic. all examples of, of women doing just yeah, that. We are. We <laughs> are all living proof. And I know if Jill were here, we, we would certainly hear her sentiments along the same lines. And Miss Kelly from Strong Kelly. Women Co. <laughs> Kelly, uh, we're going to wrap it up with you. And I left the left you for last is to say the best for last not to marginalize any one of us <laughs> and it's not fair or true <laughs> well, listen, and, and i'll tell you why i said because you're moving away i gotta be nice to you. <laughs> give <laughs> her that chance okay, i gotta we'll be, be friends nice. forever yeah I, and you know thank god for the digital world yes. i mean oh my gosh we can literally talk like we're next door so my dear kelly what are you going to say to all of us here and to the young women coming up? What you got to tell them before you take off to the Netherlands? 
I feel like as my place, and I've, I've always felt the youth are kind of, um, there's two main groups of people that move us forward in society, progressive things like, you know, getting rid of child labor and, uh, you know, making environmental regulations. And it's been the youth <laughs> and women. And uh, so when you've got young women, they're really the movers and shakers, the Gretas and the, you know, uh, Malalas and, and all of them. Autumn Pel- Peltier. Yeah. Um, and uh, so honestly, how what I feel my role is, is yes, to be the cheerleader and the encourager and all of that. Um, but honestly, I want to just create space for them. And I want to listen to what they got to say. Like, because um, I feel like my role is literally be to ace the world. <laughs> that's telling them they can't do things or, or creating uh, obstacles and just create space for them to um, almost like um, incubator uh, or some kind of protective shield of like just figure yourselves out, get your confidence, be grounded in your own feet and then go out and change the world is literally because I got a four year old girl who is a warrior. She actually introduces herself as warrior Violet. Ooh. If I say here's Violet, she'd be like warrior Violet. Ooh. And uh, Violet Athena is her name. <laughs> and um, uh, I just see her. And what's funny is, uh, of course, motherhood is so reflective and healing and learning and challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the crazy, awesome things I see, so she is the same kind of little girl I was uh, that is, you know, uh, boisterous and expressive and fun and all of this. And, and I can see the world interact with her, of course, like, you know, 30 years later, um, and not really know how to even take her because she's such a light and she's shining and she's bright and she's warrior violet and she's screaming and singing and dancing and like, uh, and so uh, I now know that was the kind of ideas I had that who I was was wrong. And I, the message I would put onto young women is who you are is right, mm-hmm. all of it. And you are loved and everything in perfect time. And, you know, learning emotional regulation, learning how to self-soothe, learning how to figure out your own shit and have healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. That is more important than math or science or any of these things. That's the kind of the idea that I want to just create space and that the Mm self-acceptance, there's a whole self-love movement, self-acceptance movement. These are relatively new terms. Mm -hmm. Like my mother and grandmother did not talk about self-love or self-care or healthy boundaries. So (laughs) these are new concepts that you know, they're going to have to fight out amongst themselves um, in a digital world. Uh, so that's what I want to help instill in young women is just in grounding, grounding them in who they are uh, and then creating space for them to figure it out and also make mistakes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, you know, keeping them safe and aware, like my little four-year-old girl, like the things that she is aware of would blow a lot of people's mind because I talk to her like a little person because she's a little person yeah. and she's got to go out into this world. And, you know, what's the sense of uh, not talking to her uh, about real things? And I think that's the kind of the parent I want to be and have been is um, a feminist parent, which is like, you know, I don't got the same top down approach my parents did. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that if if I want to preach, I practice what I preach. So I want a more matriarchal society world. That means collaboration, not competition. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. means partnership. Right, not dominance. Yeah, so. and we all have shared that. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't get to where we are today alone, mm-hmm. whether it be the male uncles, our brothers, our uh, our aunties, our moms. It was a collaborative effort, and I believe this is what the quotes I read from all these women said. Mm-hmm. We all have to embrace change. It is good for us. It's not fear, like you mentioned, Kelly. It's not being undervalued, like you said, Tama, and you 
and a young student, you have to fight. You have to set that example. My awesome sisters, Tama, Kelly, Anea, and Jill, in absentia, we missed you, but I hope we covered what you would have wanted to say. I want to thank you all for being here. It's been an awesome gathering. I, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope. Thank you. Thank you, sisters. <laughs> thank you, Sarojini. Thank you. It has been wonderful. And to take us out, I have chosen a fantastic song that one of my guests for Black History Month had actually um, asked me to play, and it's by Queen Africa, Lioness on the Rise, and she's gonna take us out. Thank you for listening. What do you all have to say to everybody? Bye. Mad love make you. a love. Yeah, Tava, what you gotta shout out? Never give up. Go out there and do what you want. Awesome. Thank you for listening, guys. Love y'all. Bye for now. When the roll is all out, I'll be standing taller to face the darkest and the hardest of times. We'll be taking care of all the children thereof. But if it's required, we'll be on the front line. You can call me by my name, I am ready to roll. Once the rules remain the same, how the story's been told. Call me anytime, never cop out. Lioness is on the rise, don't you ever have doubt. Never say never, willingness forever to fight and be strong. Once it's for better, I'll write every letter and moving right along. And I'll roll with the punches, accept changes, work with the formula, do what I have to do. And call me by my name, I am ready to roll. Once the rules remain the same, how the story's been told. Call me anytime, never talk out. Lioness is on the rise, don't you ever have doubt. We have room to observe To see if you can walk the walk you took Let me give you my word My voice must be heard Bravery is a piece of my heart Call me by my name I am ready to roll Once the rules remain the same How the story's been told A lioness is on the rise Don't ever have no doubt When the roll is called up We'll be standing taller To face the darkest and the hardest of time We'll be taking care of All the children there But if it's required We'll be on the front line You can call me by my name I am ready to roll Once the rules remain the same How the story's been told Oh Bye.
the rules remain the same How the story's been told